Hello, and welcome to the Divine Feminine Leaders podcast. My name is Celeste Hartwell, and as we're going through this, I'm refining my verbiage a little bit on what this podcast really is. And what came for me yesterday was the Divine Feminine Leaders podcast is a feminine view of entrepreneurship for women by women. And I was like, boom, mic drop. Um, it's so powerful this podcast, what we're doing by interviewing powerhouse women, women who I adore, who I'm inspired by, who I feel led to showcase. Um, it's just a whole interesting mix of who's coming up and it's been a lot of fun. So today I am like beyond excited to introduce you to a woman who has really helped me in my spiritual life and her name is Christine Agro. So she is a conscious living expert, spiritual teacher, and a clairvoyant. She helps people live life fully by bringing life's challenges into perspective, providing clarity, and offering tools and guidance to create real change. She's been called a secret weapon as she unlocks areas of your personal power you didn't know that you had and holds space for you to step into your full potential. She's been called the Perspective Oracle because of the unique and clear insights she brings to our everyday life experiences. Christine keeps answering the call to reach more people and follows the threads that come. Today, they have led her to write the number one international best-selling book, Awaken and Grow, A Practical Guide for Your Spiritual Journey. By the way, it's available on Amazon. Uh, cre she's created and launched the Awaken and Grow Flow personal development app with the intention of breaking down financial accessibility to personal development and new age spiritual work. She has appeared as a conscious living guest expert everywhere from Good Morning Connecticut to Good Day Chicago and in prints in Huffington, uh, excuse me, HuffPost, Elite Daily and Ask Men. So I want to welcome so excited to have Christine here. As I mentioned a little bit before, I mean, I'm probably going to wax a little poetic on Christine because I was really in a source place two years ago. And I often say my life was a shit show. And now like through working with her, I really did answer the call. I did not know how I was going to pay for it, but I did it anyway. And I was able to pay for it. And it was just Having her support was wildly game-changing in my life. So, Christine, welcome. Thank you for Hi, being Celeste. here. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. And I just, I feel so excited. <laughs> it's so awesome. Like, the energy in the space here is just incredible. So, thank you. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you. So I want to hear a little bit about where you were in your life when you got the call that you were a spiritual teacher and spiritual leader and how, how you moved into that. I know this story personally, but for anybody who hasn't heard it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's funny how things happen because a student just said, has anybody ever interviewed you on your story? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody has. So it, it's funny. It's like, oh, but maybe soon. <laughs> maybe. Um, I, you know, it's such a long, it's such a long winding story with such interesting like moments in it. Um, you know, I can go back to age seven when uh, I first started having visions of things that were going to happen and not knowing what to do with them. Uh, and move all the way forward to present time. Um, 
what I know about my journey is that there's always been a connection within me to spirit. So when I look at the things that happened in my life, I can see where spirit stepped in uh, or where spirit was there and said, nope, let's go this way. Nope, let's do this. How about if we do this instead? Um, when I started going down a wrong path, spirit was there going like, oh, let's go back over this way. And it doesn't mean that I haven't had challenges in my life. Uh, I just find it interesting to look back and see that. So throughout my entire life, I have been um, a support for people. People have come to me looking for answers, looking for insight, looking for healing, looking for guidance. Um, I know when I was doing development work, which I did for about 10 years, um, people would come to me who worked in the organizations and I would spend so much time helping them with their problems that I had to work after hours to get my work done. And I, I mean, I ran the department, so it wasn't, you know, I could do whatever, really kind of whatever I wanted as long as everything got done, but I thought it was really interesting, right? That this was, you know, even when I was younger, my friends would call and my mom would say, my mom, as soon as the phone would ring, my mom would yell, the doctor's in, right? Because <laughs> she knew it was gonna be me on the phone counseling my friends and I never thought anything of it. It was just the norm, like the way things were for me. Um, so it wasn't until I was 34 that I actually um, stepped into really owning everything that I have and figuring out how to use it, which I'm really glad that I did. I found a program in Colorado and it was a one year program that really kind of it established my reading space in a place of clarity and neutrality that has served me so well throughout my, my entire life. Um, from then forward in terms of, uh, you know, knowing that validating myself was important, um, not getting in other people's business. Mm -hmm. And even all of that has been part of the journey to me stepping up in my visibility. If I take steps and I'm in ego, I get a nice little reset, right? I get a nice little like, and then I get to look at it and go, oh, okay, I see where I stepped into ego there. And then we move forward again. And then another opportunity comes up. And every time it is, you know, it is the opportunity to, to show up fully as spirit in alignment. Um, and, and it's kind of magical. <laughs> So I, mean, I don't know, is that a good enough, like, <laughs> no, I think that's great. And I, I just want to back up a little bit. Like when you talk about reading space, you're talking about the clairvoyant reading space, correct? I am. Yeah. So do you yeah. want to talk about that a little bit more and your work around that and helping people with that? Sure. Um, it, you know, it, at the, in the beginning, it was, it was the core of the work that I did. It was, I was doing one-to-one -one readings with people, um, and that space was always see it, say it. So it wasn't me trying to come up with a solution for people. It was giving them insight into what was going on in their life. And then it was really for them to figure out what to do with it. That's the whole tenant of the work is not to get into other people's business because our life lessons are meant for us to learn, not for somebody else to learn them for you. So um, I was always very sort of, you know, I think it's a lot of it's my Scorpio energy, right? It's like very 
very like, I'm gonna like, this is how I'm doing it. And I understand it. And so this is like, it was very clear to me. And I love to go to the depths of things and, um, and find the commonalities, which, which is what started happening in the reading space. So I would be working with a woman in India and somebody in Japan and somebody in the Midwest and somebody in Canada. And I would see these common threads and, and I was curious, you know, cause that's just how I am. I'm super curious about how all of this works. And so I would go into my own meditation space and I would start looking at the energy of it. And I found, you know, ways to pick it apart and to, and to gather information to understand what it was and what's most fascinating about it all. Um, so in 1999, when I started doing this, I got an edict from spirit not to read anybody else's work. It was do your own, do your own work, do your own homework, find your own information. And anytime I tried to get involved with somebody else, it would go horribly awry, right? It was like that spirit intervening and going like, yeah, no, we told you not to do this. <laughs> um, so now I'm at this place where the work is kind of expanded um, and, and it's, it's morphed into a lot of different things. And I'm connected with a lot of different people because of, of the level that I'm working at. And somebody will say something and I'll be like, Oh, you know, that's like this piece that I saw. And what it's, what it's really demonstrating is that it's all universal knowledge and that it's, it is, truth and it's out there and that's one of the things that i love about that edict is that it set me up over 20 years to gather all this information and now to look at it and, and see it as as true truth and universal knowledge and see how it shows up in cultures and um, different perspectives and modalities and i just find it fascinating i love it it's you know for anyone who doesn't know like this is totally, this was new on me when I met you, that you're not reading Louise Hay and you're not reading um, Wayne Dyer and you're, you know, like any of the big uh, self-help development, personal development type uh, authors and creators and people who have been bringing in the spiritual knowledge. Like, and so I would be like, oh, Christine, you talk about mirror work in your, in your book, Awaken and Grow. And, you know, she, we can talk about that a little bit. Like Christine grew up saying, looking in the mirror and telling herself that she loved herself. She felt called to do that. And I was like, oh, Louise, I talked about that, you know? And basically it was around the same time frame that that work was released, that you were getting that as well. It was, yeah. yeah. Which I, you know, I, I, again, I find fascinating. It's, it's this, it's this, you know, I, what I know that I have or understand now that I have is this sort of, you know, conduit into the collective consciousness. And I'm not the only one who has it. Like, I'm not saying like, you know, it's just me. Um, but I'm one of the people who has it and I'm bringing information in, which anchors it into, into the, the collective consciousness and then allows all of us to access it. So, um, you know, when I was 12, I grew up with my older brother telling me that I was stupid, fat and ugly. And, and, you know, I don't hold ill will towards him. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this, like, you know, like, I'm like upset about it. I, I understand, I see what he's working on or was working on. And, but it, of course it wasn't pleasant and it was actually part of my journey to stand in my own truth and stand in my own power. And so 
when I was 12, I had this realization that if I didn't love myself, nobody would love myself. Where that came from, right? It came from spirit because, <laughs> you know, that certainly wasn't the philosophy of the family. You know, I think Dr. Dr. I think Phil Donahue was on at the time. Like, I mean, what, like Dr. Phil wasn't around. Oprah wasn't right. around. Like, you know, I, I don't even know what was going on, like in that whole realm of, of like talk shows and stuff. But this was not the information that was present in our family. And so I, I it was, I, I like to laugh. I, I laugh and I just say like, this is the first tool that I created, right? I sat down <laughs> and I was like, okay, well then how do I love myself? And it was like, well, I guess you just tell yourself that you love yourself. And so I started doing that in front of my mirror every morning and boy, was it uncomfortable. And I did it every day until I could do it without feeling uncomfortable. And then I felt like, okay, well, I don't feel uncomfortable anymore. I must like, I must be okay. Like I must have gotten it. And then years later in, you know, talking to you about the book and working with you on the, on the edits. And you said that I was like, oh, about Louise Hay, I was like, oh, how fascinating is that to me that, that, you know, here I was like this 12 year old and she was probably what in her thirties at the time or late twenties, um, bringing that work in, right. you know, so really, really interesting to me how, uh, just, you know, from a neutral, like almost like observer perspective of my own life. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. I was like, oh, that's so wild, you know, because I, I mean, I, and I think a lot of uh, women in the sphere have like read all the, all the self-help things, right? And, and we, we absorb a lot of knowledge, but we don't necessarily then take it into our daily practice. Yeah. And that's where I think that your work is really powerful in helping people do that. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you help people do that? Um, let's see. I don't know. Like, how do I talk about that? Um, I do believe that there's a big difference. And I think I talk about this in the book. I can't remember, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, when I write, I oftentimes I'm channeling. So I, I don't necessarily, like sometimes I'll, people will say things back to me and I'm like, <laughs> I, I said that. Um, <laughs> that didn't come you know? from me. That came through me. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so the work, I, I think the best way to describe it is that it's, it's really about helping people step into personal autonomy. That's a word that I've been using lately, um, which is, you know, full ownership of the self and full recognition that I've always stood in this space of what I do is not unusual. It's not unique. We can all do it. And I, I've held that space for everybody that I work with that you know, this is something that we all have access to. And that's what I teach people is how to access it, right? How to be fully present in your body, which is what it comes down to, right? It's not about reading. It's not about, um, you know, manifestation, all those things come, but it's really about being fully present as spirit in your body. And then what happens when you are in that space, that's when the magic happens. And, you know, it's not a, the, my latest thing with students, because I've been seeing this, they, they want the one and done. I'm like, this is not one and done work. Right. This is not one and done. You don't come into a class, learn the tool, and then you've got it and you're done. This is learn the tool, apply it and live this way right. and you will grow. It's an ongoing process because we don't ever stop growing. You know, we don't, I had somebody ask me in a radio interview once, 
<laughs> if I was fully evolved and I was like, what? <laughs> like, like how, how, I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know what being fully evolved would, I mean, it's fascinating to me to think about it. I feel like you wouldn't be in a body. You'd be I, complete with this experience. I don't know. I mean, I think this whole purpose of this lifetime is about, is about getting to the place where we can be spirit with a body with spirit leading, right? So not, um, not falling into the ego trap or the mental body trap or, um, or the ego trap, right? Any of those things. Are you hearing the bing bing? No. Okay. Okay. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and so if we can get all of our selves, all of our energy bodies in alignment with spirit, then we get to have all of the power of spirit with the body as the vehicle, right? With all of the different aspects of ourselves as the, as the vehicle to, um, to access the power of spirit. So that's the, and maybe, maybe that's what the, you know, fully evolved picture looks like this lifetime, right? It's not, I think in past lifetimes, and especially, you know, when we think about, um, when we think about sitting cross-legged in meditation, the purpose of that so many, 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 many years ago was because our purpose was to evolve through the spirit, through the physical body and, and touch the spirit, right? To touch enlightenment. And so we sat in that in that figure eight position because it let the energy rotate through our body and move us up and out. Cause the whole purpose was to try to reach up to touch enlightenment. Mm. So today we are enlightened it's here. And now the purpose is to connect the whole thing so that we can be present in this form. So I, I just find our evolution so fascinating. Um, you know, what we do as spiritual beings, um, this whole journey. And it is very much like a video game. <laughs> I was talking to my son, I've had this idea to create this video game for, for years. And it is about the spiritual journey. And, and so I was telling him about it. And he was like, so, you know, he was asking me questions about would it be this or would it be that? And we were going back and forth with it. And then, um, and he was like, oh, I really like this. This would be real. I really, I can see it. It would be really a good game. It'd be really cool. And then I looked at him and I said, so what if we're already in the game? And I just got to the point in the game where I'm creating the game within the game. And he looked at me and he was like, stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because He's we like, are. <laughs> He's 15, by the way. So for everybody watching, it's not like he's like 30 years old. (laughs) I love that. And so, and when you talk about bringing spirit into the body, I know because I've worked with you, but part of that is grounding into the ground as well. So do you, do you want to give some like two tips and tricks as to like how people can really ground into their body? Yeah. Well, the, you know, the whole point of grounding, of grounding ourselves is to, is to start the process of telling our body that it's safe for spirit to be present, right? So our physical beings, our energetic beings are full 
of everything. Well, I don't want to say are full of everything except for ourselves, because obviously there's parts of us there, but you know, throughout our lives, we absorb and fill in all those empty spaces with stuff that isn't ours. And once we get to a place of awakening, um, that's when we start the process of unpeeling the layers and letting go of all the stuff that isn't ours. So the picture that I keep seeing lately is of a glass of water and dropping a stone into it, mm-hmm. right? So where spirits, the stone, and as you, as you drop the stone into the glass, all the stuff like whoosh, comes out. Um, so it's a process because there's a lot of lessons that we need to learn in that stuff that comes out. That's why it's not one and done. It's like each layer holds, holds a piece of awareness that lets us move to the next level, which goes back to the video game, right? Like it's like you, each step unlocks a new reality and you can't have that reality if you haven't done the step below it. Right. Because other, it, you would be, I mean, we'd be back at like Atlantis, right? Where we use the power incorrectly and destroyed everything right or i think even i think roman time was kind of a similar thing where there was like a there was a real connection and ego and and emotion and and mental body just took it off in the wrong direction so we keep trying to do this you know in in sections of time throughout history where we keep trying to show up as as fully as spirit. I think this is the closest though. It feels pretty like there's a lot of people who are, who are getting there. I know when I first started doing this work 20 years ago with people, it would take people like six months a year to get to where they're getting in a day today. Like it's that, it's that quick that people are getting it. I don't spend half as much time in classes on certain things that I used to. So grounding, you know, is really about, uh, you know, creating a, um, a, a welcoming environment for spirit to be present in the body. So I used to do it the way that I learned through um, the Interconnection Institute, which is, which was a, which was like a renegade offshoot of the Berkeley Psychic Institute. So there's this lineage in the work. Um, And they were grounding into the earth and releasing energy into the earth. And every beginning, every um, New Year's, the beginning of the year, I check in with the earth to see what she's working on because I fully see this uh, um, micro macro dynamic of what we're working on and then what's being worked on on a larger level. And there's always these parallels and um, again these universal things happening so I checked in with the earth and she showed me taking all of her power back Mm -hmm. and this was 2012 I think 2011 somewhere around there so she showed and I thought oh so we're going to be taking our power back like we're moving into this place and obviously we have been like we can see how as individuals we're taking our power back as collectives we're taking our power back so I continued to do the meditation in the way that I, I had been taught and it kept not sitting well with me. I was like, there's something off with this. And so I put it out in front of me and I looked at it cause that's what I do. I look at everything <laughs> and I looked at the energy and what I saw was that um, for the work that I was doing and the people that would be and will, you know, would be and do work with me that this, 
this process of dumping into the earth was not okay. It was one-sided and, um, and kind of unnecessary. So I switched up the grounding where now we allow roots to grow from our feet down into the earth and we simply root ourselves um, like a plant would or a tree would into the earth. And, and then we have some other tools that we use to do alignment and ways of clearing stuff rather than dumping, you know, into the earth. Cause that just wasn't really, wasn't resonating with me. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, if you're just getting started, it's really as simple as sitting in a chair, closing your eyes for a minute, taking a breath in and out and envisioning roots growing from your feet down into the earth and just start there. I love that. It's so simple. It is. It's all simple. I, I always say that like this work, this work is so simple. Right. It's, but it's the, you know, it's the doing of it that is where, you know, things get kind of um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's the commitment to sit yeah. and just doing it and letting ourselves not do anything else in that time. And the other thing that comes up for me when you talk about like allowing the roots to grow from your feet is that when we first started working together, I don't remember if you asked me about it or if I just had, you definitely, it was conversation, some conversation that you brought up, but you were like, are your feet flat on the floor when you sit? Have your feet flat on the floor. And I noticed that I never had my feet flat on the floor. I did not at all. Like I had my feet like this, like, you know, kind of like perched up on the chair legs, or I'd have my legs up with me when I was sitting on the couch. Like never did I have my feet flat on the floor. And it's such a simple practice, but it's so profound. It really is. And I, you know, I'll be, if if I'm doing a reading or, you know, I'm working with somebody where I can't see them or I don't see their feet. Um, I will oftentimes know if their feet are not flat on the, on the ground um, or if their legs are crossed. Cause that is also something in this work that shifts the energy in our body. And so it's, it's, it's that noticeable that, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm, cause I'm always wa- like watching sort of what's going on energetically um, that I notice it. And I'm like, and I'll say like in class, I'll be like, make sure your feet are flat on the floor. Like I won't call people out, but I'm like, you know, and then people are like, oh, <laughs> she's talking to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to get back a little bit to your journey because we started there and I, I love how we, we roll and I know. just kind of go wherever the energy is going. <laughs> but I feel really called to talk about all the different types of careers that you had before you really stepped into saying, this is what I'm doing. This is actually what I've always been doing in some sense. Yeah. And this is who I'm here to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I started out uh, undergraduate doing... Um, a degree in fine art. So it's painting and printmaking. Um, and if I look at, you know, my time there, my, the work was very emotive. It was very relationship driven. Um, it was really about the human experience. So I find that kind of interesting. I, I, I think I was, you know, I was really digging around into 
what is this all about? Um, but it didn't take me very long. I, I, uh, I, I was out for like a year and a half of the undergraduate degree. I was showing, um, I, I had like a couple single, uh, solo shows. I had some group shows. I had some, I had a show up in Toronto. So I was showing and there, you know, there was something there, but I was like, eh, I don't know if this is what I really want my life to be. I don't know if I want to be an artist. Like I, so I started looking at what my options were and I decided to go back to school to get my MBA, which I honestly, this is another moment where I have no idea where that came from. Right. It was like, I was going to go get my MBA with a specialization in arts administration, which was not a common thing at the time. Um, I always found it really disturbing that galleries would close because they didn't have the money. And I was like, well, why don't you just raise the money? Like that was always my go-to. I was like, why don't you just like, you know, (laughs) so I, um, I went and I, I took the GMATs. I didn't do so well in math, did exceptional in English, which, you know, makes sense, I think for me. Um, and applied to a couple different, universities for their MBA programs. One was a, an MPA. So it was a master's of public administration that was at, I think, American university in Washington, DC. Um, and then I applied to Binghamton, which, which was the only school that had an MBA with a specialization in arts administration. Everything else was MPA, MFA, and I really wanted the MBA. So I applied and I got this call and they wanted me to come in for an interview, but they couldn't do the interview on campus because there was a measles outbreak. So I had to meet in the Denny's. So I, you know, was like, okay. So off I go to Binghamton and I meet with the director in a Denny's and he's having like eggs and coffee. <laughs> so we sit and we, you know, we have this lovely conversation and I'm like, okay. And it was just like a conversation. There was no real questions or anything. And I laughed when I was thinking like, all right, I don't know what that was. And about, I think like three or four days later, I get a call and it's that it's the MBA arts admin program. And not only are they, have they accepted me, but they are offering me a full tuition scholarship and the assistant to the director of the program. Right. Right. Assistant to the director of the program, which was a paid position. So <laughs> right? I was like, Oh yeah. Um, so I did that. And then while I'm at that program, and there's a reason that I'm telling you these specific things right. while I'm at that program, um, I had a boyfriend in, in Toronto and I decided that I wanted to do, we had to do an internship at the end of our program. It was the last six months of the program. And so I decided that I was going to do it in Canada. Um, because I wanted to be near him. And so what I did was we had to do an international business program. And I decided that I wasn't going to do the international business program. I was going to do an independent study that, that, that explored the difference between um, fundraising in the United States versus fundraising in Canada. And I did this whole, you know, research program, project on it where I converted the dollars so that everything was equal and you could see like how much was like it was just this like I don't even know like I don't even it's another thing like I don't know how I did it I remember finishing it going to the teacher 
handing it to him and he said, what grade do you think you deserve? And I was like an A plus. And he was like, okay. And so that was a grade I got. So everybody's scrambling to get their internships. Um, and I get a call from a, a graduate of the MBA arts program who is a headhunter for development positions. And he says to me, Hey, there's a position open at the McMichael Canadian art connect uh, collection just outside Toronto. They're looking for a corporate person. They're, they're building a corporate department and they're looking for a corporate person. I think you would be great. Do you want to do that as your internship? And it's paid. I was like, sure, I'll do that. So, and like, if you're thinking like this sounds so easy, it really was easy. Like I just rolled along. So I do the, the internship while I'm there. <clears throat> he says, um, towards the end, I'm doing consulting work for the Manitoba theater center. They're looking for a director of development. The job doesn't pay enough to get a seasoned professional, especially to move to Winnipeg, but I think you'd be great at it. Are you interested? sure. I fly out to Winnipeg. I meet with the board. I come back like within a day, they offer me the position. I graduated as a director of development for the second largest theater company in Canada. Right. Wow. (laughs) So there's all these like moments in my life that were like this. Um, And so I did 10 years of development work. I raised like over $30 million for nonprofits, which I loved. I was really good at it. And I think that I was really good at it because I connected so well with the donors. I understood what it was that they needed. I understood why they were giving. And in the end, it all felt good for everybody, right? It's like, because giving is not, it's, it's not just about like giving. There has to be a reason to give. And so I developed these really beautiful relationships with people and, and I just, I really enjoyed doing it. I didn't like working with the boards, which is what really ultimately propelled me to leave fundraising was that I just, I didn't like the way that organizations like function. There was just, and the boards were always wonky and they didn't understand their roles. And so it, you know, it just was a lot. Um, And of course I think too, like that constant, like, sense of you're not where you belong. You don't belong here. This isn't what you're supposed to be. Like it was like you don't and I kept going and looking at other things, thinking it's the organization. And then finally I realized it's not the organization. It's the work, right? I'm supposed to do something else. Um so when I left fundraising, I jumped out of like an eighty two thousand dollar a year job in nineteen ninety nine um and made eight thousand dollars my first year. Right. Like (laughs) you know, and it was um I jumped without a plan. I just jumped because something said jump and I did. And so, you know, so there, there have been those moments. Um, and then media has been the same way for me in a, in a really interesting you know, way where um, I, I was three years old and I was in the Buffalo news on Easter wearing my Easter bonnet. When I graduated from the undergraduate program, I was in the New York Times in the Metro section because my friend had a Ernie on his cap and I turned around to look and Mario Cuomo was our commencement speaker. So when I turned around to look, they snapped a picture of the three of us. And so I was basically in the New York Times, you know, that I was featured in the New York Times. Like, so there's always been this like up leveling of visibility um, and this sort of like, I don't know, like, isn't it weird? Like, doesn't it like, <laughs> well, and I just... love it because it's easy. 
Yeah, and don't you just want to know where it's all going? Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious. <laughs> Excited, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you also were a naturopathic doctor. Oh, yes. <laughs> So woman of many hats. And that's what I wanted to focus. I wanted to like, kind of hear about like all of these different careers that you've had basically. Yeah. Because part of it is sometimes people are like, Oh, I can't change. Like that's too scary. It'll take too much time. I'm going to fail. And it's like, no, it's all adding up to something that you're not quite sure of what it is yet. It does. And like, I'm so happy that I have all the tools in my basket from all of this. Cause it, it, you know, it informs everything. And, you know, the naturopathic, um, I did the, um, I went to the school of natural medicine and I have a, um, traditional naturopaths degree and a master herbalist degree and a master iridology, uh, degree, which is like, um, analysis of the iris hmm. and seeing myself in natural medicine helped me to see the holistic scope of how everything is interconnected and to really, understand how how we like how everything like emotions and the the physicality of the body like how it all weaves in and what was interesting was that um as I started stepping into doing the clairvoyant work I started seeing holistically right so I didn't need to do everything that I was trained to do I didn't need to do iridology anymore to know what was going on to be able to assess the body like that information just morphed itself into the reading space. So, you know, I'm able to, and and this is where the work with animals kind of really excelled because I was able to look at animals holistically <clears throat> using all of this knowledge and identify things that a lot of times that's were missing. You know, when there was like this sort of mystery of like, we don't know why this is happening. I was able to look and find the root of it because I had all these different modalities that I had access to um, through my study. So um, eventually I did just kind of, you know, morph away from doing that physical assessment work with people and just started doing it in the clairvoyant space because it was easier. Well, and all the information is there. It is. And as long as you're open to tuning in and accessing the information and you're confident in your, in, in not your ability, but spirit's ability to give it to you, right. Then it just comes through. Yeah. Well, I think what I, you know, what I recognized again, it was that, um, it was the universality of things, right? So if, if, if I could see it in the iris, then I, I could see it as energy, like it existed in an energetic form. And I, you know, I think I just am so, um, so interwoven with that, that, like that philosophy that it isn't even really a question, right? It just, it, it just is, it's factual to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit about your app that you created, mm-hmm. yeah. Awaken and Grow Flow. <laughs> yeah. Which is like its own multiverse. And it is. I mean, it's definitely a, a multiverse. I love it. Um, another thing that I was called to do, I, I started, um, 
this word or this phrase came to me, which was, um, scalable intimacy. Mm. Right. And, and it was, how do I take my work to many and retain the sense that the individual and a small group has when I'm working with them, because it's so powerful and it's so beautiful and it's <clears throat> such a good community and so much fun, like on both sides. I love it. People love it. It's just, it's good. So I had sort of this came to me and I, it was rolling around and then the app showed up as a possibility. And I was like, Oh, that would be interesting. And so the app has a couple of purposes to it. One is that right. The sort of ability to reach a lot of people in this same kind of intimate space. Um, and then it also, I, I've been sort of plagued with this notion of, um, barriers to accessibility, hmm. right? So that I do believe that money, money plays a part in our ability to get the information that we need to grow. And there's an important piece to that because, because the, it, it's hard. So because money is the currency, it is the thing that either stops us or allows us to do something that we think that we want to do. And and so it plays a huge role in can we do it or can't we do it? Can we have it or can we not have it? Are we ready for it or are we not ready for it? So money, I think, is something that you know, we should all understand as a, as a messenger for us of where we're at and whether we're on track and what we're working on, because it does play that role. Mm -hmm. At the same time, um, I wanted people to be able to have access to a layer of this work, kind of like regardless of where they're at. I mean, I still have, so the, so it, there's a free component to it, which is really rich. And there's, there's the daily messages and, you know, I, I do live challenges and there's like all sorts of stuff going on in this app, <laughs> like in the app. Um, and then there's a, a monthly subscription, which has many programs in it that you can really deep dive into stuff, which I, I really love. And it unlocks some meditations and other things that are, are part of this. But the thing is, is it's, it's a really low subscription. It's $9 and 49 cents. And it doesn't mean that these programs are less value because if I was to teach these programs to a group, they would be like a $400, $600 program. They're not like throwaways. They're actual programs that you're getting for $9.49. And I still have people say to me like, oh, I can't afford that. And I'm like, okay, well then it's not for you, right? And so that's what we need to understand is that, is that you know, we, money is something that we, um, that lets us know whether or not something is for us. Maybe not whether or not it's a value to us, but whether or not it is for us. Because, and because you'll see it no matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you put the price at. Right? There's going to be somebody who's like, I can't afford that. It's like, okay. You know? Yeah. Well, and I love, and I, I know you talked on a little bit about the havingness, whether people can have it or can't have it. And I know that that's something that you've taught on a little bit. Yes in different programs. Um, yeah. and, and that's part of 
why I think the Awaken and Grow Flow app is beautiful because people can kind of start doing that work if they're really committed to it, to unraveling why do I feel like I can't have this if this is really something that I desire so that they can step into a bigger space if that's something that they choose to do. Yeah. But I, you know, I just find that like, again, I find the money thing so fascinating because, um, I, I, you know, from my own perspective of things that I've dealt with in my life, um, you know, being resentful that somebody's charging X amount of dollars for something right now I can look back at it and just, and see like, well, that's my work to do. Right. right? It's not, you know, like good for them that, that they can value their work at that level. And, but we don't see it that way. We want to, we want to like blame somebody else for what we can't have. And, and like I said, that's my work to do, right? That's your work to do. That's, that's an individual's work to do. If, if they feel like they want something and it's not within reach. Um, and a lot of times, you know, like, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite expressions is the yes comes before the door opens. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and that is, it's true in so many different moments in time. I, you know, I don't, I mean, we always have to do what's right for us and, and it's not, I don't advocate people putting themselves into, you know, really difficult positions. Um, but stretching, you know, stretching to do something, figuring out how to, how to do it, how to make it work. Um, I know like the, uh, the woman who headed up the school of natural medicine, um, you know, she was a big proponent of, you know, just do it and the money will come. Um, you know, I, I'm not as like, just do it and the money will come, but, but you know, she, she was like that. And I remember, I remember doing that for, I went to the, I did the, um, Ann Wigmore living foods training program. It was like a three, three week long program. And I went to Puerto Rico to do that. And and I, I, that was my mentality when I did that, you know, and looking back is like, I don't know, did that put me in a difficult position? It might've, but it was 20 years ago. And here I am today. Like, I'm okay. <laughs> you didn't die from it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe I was returning soda cans for like five months. I don't know what I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But you lived. Uh, I did. And so you have a really fun program that I want to talk about that's coming up and I know that it's fun because I've done it and I still actually implement this work in my life. I am right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's 40 days to creating more. So talk to us a little bit about that. I, you know, I think that on a, on a universal scale, this is probably people's most favorite program that I teach. Um, you know, it is fun. It's uh, the, the, I use a lot of different modalities in it. It's sort of a hodgepodge of things that I've learned over the years. Um, all of my programs have a daily practice and then energy work weekly throughout the program. I, I actually just realized that. <laughs> that I actually have a uh, structure that I didn't realize that I wasn't acknowledging. Um, so the daily practice is based in in grounding and having a meditation space. Um, and then also working with some mantras that um, help to both remove blocks and attract more for you. So 
when we say more, more can be many things, right? More does not necessarily, like I think sometimes if we're in a lack mentality, more we go to money, um, but more is not necessarily money. So just to, you know, sort of put that out there for people to kind of think about. Um, and then during the, during the weekly classes, we do mindset work and energy work, um, play with some of my favorite tools that help us to create and manifest, talk about the process of creating and manifesting, um, you know, what we're actually doing when we're creating and manifesting so that, cause I think it's important to understand the process because that helps us to lock it in rather than just kind of trying to make something happen. Um, so, you know, it's, um, you know, we do some passion and purpose stuff like, you know, what is your passion and purpose, what, which actually helps to focus what you're creating for yourself. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's a, it's a very multi-layered, um, kind of rich, fun program to step into. I, I think it's fun to step into as an initial, um, as an initial offering to like an introduction to working with me. So, you know, if people are interested, they can find it at 40 days to creating more and it's the number 40. So 40 days to creating more.com. And, um, the program's 497, but I can give you like, there's a, I think it takes $200 off. So it's 297 and it's, um, I think it's gratitude 108. But if you try that and it doesn't work, just message me and I'll get you, I'll get you a coupon code for it. <laughs> so, and the app is at, you can get that at awakeningrowflow.com and you just go to it, you put in your phone number and it, whatever your platform is, it'll send you the link to install it from whichever app store you have. Um, but I hope that people will come and join me because it's fun and rich work that, that really, uh, it's life changing. And the thing is, is that it's life changing in a way that you're stepping into things that you, you just don't even know that there's more, right. It's right. like, it's that, um, like, it's like that dream that you, you know, you're having that dream where you're in a, in your house and all of a sudden you find like a whole new room that's so much bigger and full of so many things. Uh, and that's what, you know, this work is like, you just, we just keep opening new rooms for you to step into. It's so fun. <laughs> I do. I mean, I've taken many programs with you now, like since we started working together, um, I definitely was on a roll there for a couple of years, solid. Yeah. And, and I would say like this, the, the 40 days to creating more was, it felt like a really beautiful culmination. Like it, you're touching on so many different pieces that maybe we didn't talk about in one program or we, you know, like that we had never talked about. And then other pieces that we had talked about uh, that really were important and structurally like foundationally important to the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always say it's like, I, I also have a um, yoga certification. Like I'm also a yoga teacher. <laughs> Of course. Right. Well, um, and, I, and I, and I always say that, um, you know, just like in yoga, you know, you can learn the same thing over and over again, and you're always going to find something new to like a deeper le layer or level to go into. And that this work is like that. It's, you know, you could, you could do the same program over and over again, and you would hear things that you didn't hear the first time, or you would have an awareness of it that you didn't have the first time because you're at 
you've unlocked that next level, right? You stepped right. into the next place of awareness that you couldn't see when you were here. Now that you're here, it's like, oh, I see that. And the great thing is, is there's like a thousand more levels above you that you can step into. <laughs> this is the video game, by the way. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because we are in the game. We are. We're in the game. <laughs> you just found your way out of the matrix. Like that's what comes up for me is the movie The Matrix. And like you found your way out of the matrix and now you're like, come on, come on, I know. play. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like I think I I've I'm figuring out how to play in the matrix. Right? right. It's not leaving the matrix, it's actually playing in the matrix. Right. Which I which is kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then showing other people how to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really fun and really easy. By the way, it's not really hard. It's not, it's not a big deal. Can I, I just, this like sort of poked at me to, to share this. We're talking about, you know, my backstory. Yeah. <laughs> and like in another one of these moments, um, I must've been like, it was somewhere between like seven and 10 years old. And I had a dream that wasn't really a dream. Like those were like sort of the visiony things that I would have, but it was, it was kind of a dream space. And I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, so I walked into the church and the church was empty, but I could feel that there was somebody there. Mm. So I went up onto the altar, which of course, like you don't do. So I went up onto the altar and Jesus walked out from behind the, the, the vestibule. He walked out onto the altar and he was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm so glad you came. And I was like, hi. And so we sat down on the, like the little step up to the right. altar. We sat, we sat down there and he had this whole conversation with me about how this isn't the way that it was supposed to be. And that he didn't, this wasn't his intention. And that I, I had this role to play in sharing information and um, it wasn't in this construct and it wasn't like word for word, but that was like, I remember like walking, like leaving the drinking up from the dream and going like, Oh, that was interesting. And I never told anybody about it, which, which is one thing like it coming from a Roman Catholic family. I know, you know, when, when Jesus touches you like that, you usually either end up as a nun or a priest, right? <laughs> So I, you know, I never said anything. I didn't stay part of the church uh, as I, be, like around 16 is when I, I kind of started having a problem with, um, with the information, questioning it, it, it the, the, you know, the way things were presented, it didn't feel right to me. Uh, and then years later, so this would have been about 2001, it was probably 2001, I was living upstate and I was meditating and he popped in again and he was like, Hey, <laughs> I was like, Oh, hello. Um, and he was like, okay, so here's the thing. I did not share this information for people to turn it into a religion. I was trying to explain to people that we can live as spirit with a body. And when we live as spirit with a body, here's all the things that we're able to do. Here's the power that we have. And it kind of got lost. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. So I don't, I just felt called to share that. 
<laughs> it's not a story I sh I've shared very often. I don't know how much I've, sh I've shared it. So. I know that I've heard it from you, but again, yeah. we've worked together extensively and I, and it might be in the book. I don't know. It could be in the book. I think it is in the book actually. Okay. Now that you say that. I feel <laughs> okay. like they're in the, that's in the book, but, yeah. but it may get lost on people you know, yeah. you don't have the time to read and all of that. And it is a really important story. My whole body was lighting up as you were saying, which yeah. is always like a big, yes, that was right. nice to come through. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for the space to share it. So. Because I think it is important that I know from my own, like Jesus wasn't coming to say, idolize me and I'm the only one who can do this and right and all of this it was no I'm trying to show you how to live in love how to live in compassion yeah. how to um really take back your own power right 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 take back your own power and you know the whole like you know the ability to instantaneously manifest and transmute time right. and space and um heal yourself and heal others like all of that is the is the power of spirit the body as a vehicle. Yes. That's, that's where we get. That's what we get. I love it. That's a beautiful way to end. Isn't it? <laughs> it's perfect. Thank you. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Christine, for, for sharing all of this with us. I'm so excited uh, for everyone who is touched by this podcast, who listens to it, who shares it out. We really encourage you. Uh, if this touches you, please share it with people that you love. If, if you love this content and you want more, I encourage you to subscribe. You want to hear more about Christine's work, 40 days to creating more.com with the coupon code gratitude 108 uh, for the program that begins. It's October 30th, correct? Yep. Yeah, yes. 2019. So we're, right. I know we've got, <laughs> yes, since this will love infinity. Yeah. Um, but you can always find Christine on the awaken and grow flow app as well. Yep. And which is really an incredible tool. Thank you so much for creating it for, for everyone. Um, it's such powerful work. And again, this is Celeste Hartwell with Divine Feminine Leaders Podcast. We are a podcast. We have a feminine view of entrepreneurship and we are for women by women. So thank you so much, Christine. Thanks, Celeste. And thank you to all the listeners. We love you so much. Thank you so much for playing in this space with us. Mwah!